0: into Romans chapter 8. Father we do want to thank you that uh, when you speak to us in the Bible you speak to us about reality and how life hurts and we pray that you will speak tonight to help us how we might respond in a way that honors and glorifies your name and we ask this for your glory to be seen in us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Last week we looked at Romans chapter 8 verses 1 to 17 and this week it's Romans chapter 8 verses 18 to 30. The Apostle Paul writes, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is be, that is to be revealed to us for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of god for the creation was subject to futility not willingly but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words and he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for saints according to the will of God and we know that for those who love God all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestines, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. Uh, We're going to stop there. The children are going to go to their little group. I think Debbie might be uh, heading for the creche. And Natalie is uh, going into her own little uh, corner and leading uh, her little group away. And the rest of us are staying here. Great, well, here we are, Romans chapter 8. And let me ask you a question to start with, would you say the Christian life was uh, a glorious life or a groaning life. Now, I know for Christians to say it's a groaning life is bad PR, so let's big up the good times and say the Christian life is a glorious life. And we've been to a Christian conference recently where we've had lots of Christians on holiday together, and it's hard when you hear 4,000 Christians singing very gratefully about the glory of the Lord Jesus it's hard when you hear that lot singing to think that they're groaning but you know the Bible understands normal life and for Christians and for non-Christians it is hard for both and because Paul wants to help Christians in Rome this letter is written to the Romans he wants to help Christians in Rome to keep following Jesus when it's difficult he wants them to know two things first there is such a thing as good groaning and two there is such a thing as future glory okay try and hang on to those two things and we'll go with the first there is such a thing as good groaning now look There are reasons for Christians to sing. If you were here last week, you will know that even though Christians fail, Romans chapter 1 starts by saying there is no condemnation. You will not switch off God's love for you when you get things wrong. And wonderfully, it's like Christians, we were told in Romans chapter 8, uh, have got two things. On the one hand, we've got our adoption papers, uh, because the Holy Spirit adopts us into being children of God and on the other hand we've got a will fantastic inheritance in the future and yet we don't have that inheritance yet and we live in a world where groaning is the norm Christians suffer the same things that everybody else suffers because we get uh, sick along with everybody else that's says we're just like the rest of the world but in another way Christians suffer even more because Christians are persecuted even if it's low level persecution ridicule, teasing from our friends and Christians also suffer more because we now begin to fight against sin we've seen that in Romans chapter 8 as well so while we've got these good things It is true that we are waiting for something else. You know, it's like the person at the airport. And they're looking forward. Have you ever been? You must have done this. You're standing at the rail waiting for the person to... You you know the flight's landed, and you know they'll be coming through the door any minute now, and you, you keep looking face after face after face, staring, waiting for that person to arrive. And the Bible tells us that's exactly what's uh, happening um, when uh, creation is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed because creation actually is not in such a good place at the moment Uh, it has been uh, uh, subjected to futility in verse 20 and there is corruption uh, and Uh, ultimately uh, death and it's in slavery to corruption because uh, well uh, as you can see uh, in uh, uh, these verses uh, uh, Adam didn't do a good job when he was put in charge of running things and because of Adam's failure and sin the world that we're in is in a sad And sinful state. And if, because of Adam, death is now in the world, well, death makes life pointless, doesn't it? I mean, what's the point of being born only to die? There's something inherently meaningless about that. And something else about death if the world is heading for death, you know that the more life goes on, the harder life is going to be those of us who've, you know, you're, you might be in a position where actually that doesn't make sense at all. You're so young and everything is, is vigorous and you've got amazing health. Zach plays football and doesn't limp and um, uh, suffer for breath afterwards. And many of you are in that position, uh, strong and agile and able. But just look at me. When you nearly get to death, you end up like this. <laughs> sagging and bagging and everything else. So uh, it's just, uh, death just tells you that life is not going to be uh, that great. And so creation is groaning, longing for the day when uh, the children of God are revealed. Because instead of Adam running things badly, creation knows that ultimately God's game plan is for God's children to run the world under the Lord Jesus. That's really important for us to remember because actually when you get to Romans 8 it's not just a question of us going and enjoying God and goodies. The dream of creation is that Jesus is not just one individual here and there uh, loving Jesus and getting to be with him and closer to him the dr- dream of creation is that Jesus and his family will run the world in a glorious way and the creation is waiting for that day to come. And so are Christians because uh, it's not just uh, Christians and uh, uh, the, the world uh, uh, creation running under uh uh, the old regime wanting a new one. Christians groan as well. And uh, you you see that, how uh, not only creation in verse 23, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly in verse 23. First fruits? Well, if you see the first fruit in an apple tree, you immediately know well. this is a fruit-bearing tree. There's going to be a bumper crop. There's more to come, in other words, beyond this apple. The first fruit guarantees more. Well, the Holy Spirit is God's first fruit. It's the first act of God in uh, uh, the world that he is remaking and his place in it is to to come to us. But the interesting thing about the Holy Spirit is that he isn't compensation for gro- for groaning. That is, you know, you may be groaning, but look don't worry, the Holy Spirit will will also be there and he'll make it a bit better for you. Now, it is the Holy Spirit who comes not to compensate for our groaning, but to cause the groaning. Because He makes us long for our adoption as sons and for the redemption of our bodies in um, uh, uh, verse 23 at the end. And so we begin to groan because the Holy Spirit is in us, putting this new future in front of us and making us long for it. And so there's creation groaning And it's a good groaning because it's waiting for uh, the children of God to, uh, uh, to be revealed because that's when God's full glory comes to planet Earth at last. But we have good groaning too because we don't walk away from God in our suffering. Instead, we walk towards him, trusting his good plans for our future trusting that he will give us grace in the hardships we have now. That is what good groaning is about. Future facing. There is such thing as bad groaning. Now, if you want an example of bad groaning, you might just want to think back to the time when God's people were slaves in Egypt and he got them out and there they were by the Red Sea and Pharaoh and his armies start charging towards them and what do they say enough we want to go back (coughs) we want to give up this trip we want to go back to the slaves we were that's bad groaning and the children of Israel did that all the time but good groaning is when you turn around you say but God has promised us a new future We've got a new country in front of us and God will give us grace every step of the way to get there. That is good groaning when we start wanting that future that God has promised. It's, in other words, uh, good groan from the back seat. Parents know this when the child asks, are we there yet? They don't say, can we go home now? because they know the holiday bags are packed and they know what's in them. That's good groaning. Good groaning is uh, like uh, at the house uh, mum who's had a bad hair day on I- in every department and the children are under her feet and the worse it gets, the more she longs for her husband to walk in through the door to bring about uh, a rain to the house that will be... Uh, uh, so different to what she's experiencing now that's like Christian hope it's sure, it's certain it's just a question of when the door opens when the person walks through that is good groaning waiting for that to arrive but as well as good groaning something else to think about and that is future glory it's like uh, Paul gets his uh, calculator out and uh, he, he says, look, uh, um, uh, let's, uh, let's say how many bad things have, uh, have you got uh, and you stick up a, a biggish number and then Paul, in verse 18, starts adding zeros and he says, you know, this calculator hasn't got enough zeros to tell you the difference between the bad things that have happened and the enormous uh, glory that is to be revealed. I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And the Bible reveals that life is lived in two ages, this age and the next, which means that there is a now and a not yet. You see that in this passage, don't you? Well, just go back a couple of verses to verse 16, and verse 16 tells us that we are children of God. But then you look at verse 19, and it says that we're still waiting for the children of God to be revealed. But are we? Or aren't we? Days now, we are, and the not yet. It's not seen yet who is. So there are children of God in this room on our estate. It's just that you wouldn't be able to say which in this room are the children of God and who aren't because they haven't been revealed yet. But one day they will be. And when they are revealed you will be able to see and Jesus will point out the difference between the sheep on the one hand and the goats on the other. And when that day comes some will be raised to the glory of God and others will be raised for condemnation and it is wonderful to describe, to hear the Bible describe in still um, uh, vague ways but nonetheless attractive ways what the glory of God is like It's interesting, isn't it, in verse 18 to see that nothing compares with the glory that, has been to, that is being revealed to us. In our version it says, to us. In another version called the New International Version it says, God's glory is revealed in us. Now both go together, don't they? Because if you remember what it was like with uh, Moses is that, well, uh, he had God's glory revealed to him and it seemed that God's glory was in him his face was shining and and even that was not full-on glory it's just a a bit of a glimpse as to what future full-on glory will be looked like but that is exactly what is the destiny of God's children to be filled with the glory of God in them as it's revealed to them. That is why the Bible makes God's glory such a heavy duty thing in this passage in the sense that it starts and ends with it. if you look at verse 18 the sufferings of this present world are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed that's the start. You look at the end verse 30 does he predestines he called does he called he justifies does he justified he also glorified it's This is the destiny of God's children. The ultimate destiny. It is to absolutely share full on the Father's glory. But you don't have to wait. Because what this passage also says is you know you can get a teeny weeny glimpse of what that glory is like now. Not quite in a shiny face just in a different way look at uh, what uh, it says from verse 26 onwards because what you begin to see is that the Holy Spirit starts praying now our trouble is we don't quite know how to pray when we suffer because we just simply pray that the suffering will go away very interesting though to read when the Holy Spirit prays, He prays for us in our weakness. Can you see that in verse twenty-six? He doesn't pray us out of our weakness. And the Holy Spirit prays with groaning. That's that's amazing, isn't it? Because it shows that he is not detached from what we're going through. He identifies with it. And he too, you see, is longing that we will be the people that ultimately one day we will be. And the answer that God brings to the Holy Spirit's prayer in verse 28 is that he works in everything so that in verse 29 we can be conformed to the image of Jesus. And in that sense, start showing off the glory of God increasingly in our lives. Now we don't have to uh, worry about uh, uh, why things are going wrong in our lives. We don't need to sit down and analyse what caused it to happen because it is just good to know that whatever made the thing happen the way it has happened, it is God that is working for good in everything. Whatever happened, God is working for good to make us like the Lord Jesus. Now, people can uh, not get this right and make trite little statements like are everything happens for the best. And you think, oh yeah, well, something like that in Romans 8. No, it's not like that in Romans 8. God is not working for good in everybody where everything happens for the best. He is working together for good for those who love him. And the good that he is working towards is not just any old best, but the specific good of making us more like his son. And that ultimately, see, fits us into the end game of God's glory. The process starts now because the process ends with us being fully like Jesus, radiating him completely. And so you begin to catch a glimpse of God's future glory when you see people responding to tough situations the way that Jesus did, with trust, with confident hope that God will keep his purposes and his promises to them in a wonderful, glorious way in the future. So, hope never disappoints us as Romans will tell you. And so to make people like Jesus God goes through the gears in verses 29 and 30 he calls, he predestines, he conforms he justifies and eventually he glorifies. But notice how everything is in the past tense. I just read everything badly because I put it in the present tense but everything here is written in the past tense it's as good as done the glorious future is in his hands that's why you can write in the past tense and it's wonderful that the Holy Spirit is praying for us in our weakness because if it was in our hands we'd never achieve it but God the Holy Spirit prays because God will achieve what we can't achieve he will make Jesus likeness happen in us through the toughest times as he works together in everything to make us like him so what's the take home for us um, well I'm going to suggest uh, three things it may be that if you're someone who's new to Christian things maybe you're not yet a Christian Can I put it like this? That for the Christian, this life is as bad as it gets. You got that from the passage? It means that for the non Christian, this life is as good as it gets. And friends, it's not good, it's groaning. And it's groaning because God has subjected to this world in futility, in order that we do groan for a new future, for a difference that only He can make. That is why there are things going on in your life, if you're not a Christian, that make you groan so that you will go to Him for a future that is different. And you'd want to do that tonight as you discover what that future will be from what the Bible tells us. So, it may be that uh, for the Christian things are bad, but uh, it should be the other way around. For the non-Christian it's even worse. Uh, The good life is just a groaning life. And however good it is in the moment, groaning it will be. What happens if you go to church? And it is a common trap, isn't it, to hear in churches encouragement that essentially is really asking you to want the future now. So we pray for healthy and blessed lives now. And. We just think that if we come to church, we're part of the club, then God is going to be more favourable to giving us that blessed life and giving us uh, the good times that we want to replace the bad with. But my friends, if you just stop and think, what would it be like if God was to do that? If you came to church and you asked everything that is wrong in your life to be put right and everything... Uh, to be uh, uh, made good, what is the effect of that going to be? You'd lose interest in God's future, wouldn't you? Now, I don't want to say for a minute that God doesn't heal us and help us. But again, I want you to notice that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness and not out of it. And I think it's really important for us to realise that because if we live in a world and breathe in the air that everything is going to be hunky-dory and okay, then one or two things will happen to people who go to church and keep hearing that kind of teaching. One, one, is that you stop being honest about the way that life is a groan for you because, well, it'll make make people think that you are unspiritual if you're groaning. Perhaps the opposite is true. When the Spirit comes, you will groan. And yet churches teach us the opposite of that. So one uh, uh, sad effect could be to drive us into pretense that the mask is happy and shiny on the outside but the groaning is still going on on the inside. Or the other thing that could happen, if it's not dishonesty, it will be ultimately a... uh, You lose your faith, won't you? Because the Christianity you hear about so much just doesn't match up with real life. So you say, well, this isn't for me. Because what I hear in church on Sundays just doesn't work the rest of the week. I'm still groaning heaps. And so, my friends, we need to take this in so deeply that we, if necessary, unlearn stuff that we learn in other places in order that we may enter into the world of difficulty and challenge and groan well facing the future and loving God's promises for it so we want to hide the face with a smiling face if we go to church but that isn't what Romans 8 tells us to do What happens if you're a real believer? I think it's right for us to go home tonight to be excited about the glory that is to be revealed because all of us, frankly, if only we went around with the microphone, we would find out. All of us are struggling. Maybe physically, maybe emotionally, maybe spiritually. But my friends, understand your struggles. These are not the struggles that are death throes. These are the struggles of birth pangs. Now, the struggles of birth pangs uh, are really horrible. Now, you might think, you know, what does Paul know about birth pangs to write about birth pangs? He was a bloke. And, you know, what can he tell us about that kind of suffering? My guess is that actually Paul is a bloke and he can write about things like this because he knows what it's like for blokes when there's a child on the way. I mean, I was there for both of our children. I thought my hand would be crushed. It's a terrible thing for a bloke (laughs) to be there at childbirth. And I guess there's a bit of discomfort for the woman as well. But... uh, the, the, whole, the whole point is that when the birth pangs start, however horrible it is, you know the next thing on the calendar is a baby, is new life. And there's not one single mum who's gone through that, who will then turn around and say, you know, all that was not worthwhile. <laughs> Within moments it's forgotten. And what God's word for you today, if you're struggling and going through it, is not to think that God has somehow (coughs) written you off and not looking favourably on you. Would you instead be enduring what you're going through, like a mum having a baby, trusting God for his future, waiting for that future, to come in suffering be expectant pun intended and here we are 6.20 in the evening uh, whatever time it is maybe when we finally say goodbye to each other it will be even later don't whatever time it is say goodbye say goodnight why did not we encourage each other with a new way to <coughs> wish each other as we uh, whatever time of day it is not good morning, not good afternoon, not good night try good groaning <laughs> be an encouragement well let's pray, I'm going to leave a minute where you might want to just talk to God about the take home for you and after that I'll pray and then after that, we'll have questions and uh, well, attempted answers. Anyway, let's uh, do that. But we'll pray first a minute for you to do that. Well, I'm in to so let me pray. Father, you are very gracious, and you don't condemn us as we deserve. And you give us adoption papers in one hand and a a will with a a wonderful inheritance in the other hand. We've got reasons to love you and to rejoice. But you've also subjected this world to futility so we may look forward to your future, to look forward to your glory. And therefore we pray that you will help us to remember what we've learned tonight and to live with good groaning, to trust your promises to look forward to your glorious kingdom and to know that even now you are working together for good in everything so that we begin to reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus in looking more like him please would you do this great work in us keep us enduring through the difficulties knowing that after the birth pangs will come new life glorious hope we pray that you help us to live with this mind and for the glory of your name. Amen. Amen.